Hello and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast. I'm your host, Dino. And joining me once again, Chris Salisbury. How you doing, Chris? Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Feeling much better after my short, sporadic cold and ready to record. So, yes. You sound a lot better. You sound so much better. Thank you. Thank you. It's my audio setup today. Uh, yes, it has been a struggle. It has been, yes, isn't it? It's, it hasn't been easy. But that's okay. That's okay. It's the old the old Mac uh, Windows settings uh, switcheroo that we couldn't get past, but we, we have managed to record, so that is the main thing uh, for this episode. The, the show must go on, uh, that's what they say. The show must go on. And also, uh, thank you once again to Beth Lilly from the ERA Championship. Uh, we talked about that last episode uh, as a bonus, and yeah... I will put that in the show notes. It was a great talk. We learned a lot about the ERA um, and the the different race weekends that they're going to have uh, and and all of that. So thank you, Beth. It was an awesome chat, and hopefully we can catch up more on the ERA shortly. Yeah, it was good. Very, very enjoyable. Now, media of the week. I have a very interesting media of the week, something a little bit out there. I play a few puzzle games. And this one is called Evergarden. It's on Steam. A interesting little puzzle game that you sort of build a a board of, of plants and you're trying to upgrade the plants. Uh, and it's sort of a matching game. So um, the developers have spent years developing the core puzzle game to be accessible and relaxing. And it is pretty relaxing. It's not a, not a fast-paced, timer-frenetic sort of one. Very deep and strategic. On a basic level, you can bind plants on a board to create more valuable items and grow your garden within a turn limit. The game holds a lot of secrets though, and most players will spend months mastering the strategies required to get a great score. And the portion of the game also has a leaderboard, and I think I'm in the, the 6,000 region, so I am still, I'm still going up. Uh, I was in the eight, I was in the 8,000s a couple of days ago, so... Yeah, practice makes perfect, I guess. It does. It sounds quite good, actually. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. It's a nice idea. Yes, I got it from the Humble Bundle, if you know what that is. The, the Humble, Humble Bundle. Bundle, yep. I have no idea. The Humble Bundle, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's also on Steam, so go and check that out. And Chris, what is your media of the week? Um, my major of the week uh, this week is a Netflix series called The Haunting of Hill House. Um, so The Haunting of Hill House was released in 2018, apparently. Uh, I thought it was brand new, but it's not. Um, and it's about a haunting in a house called Hill House, if the name didn't give that away. Never would have. It's, 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 very, it's very good. It, uh, I've only seen the first two episodes. It's made that much of an impact on me. Um, and it's very, very frightful at times. And, you know, you do pull the covers up above your head and fear everything. But, it, you know, it's great. Um, yeah. Check it out. Check it out. It's it's very, it, it's noteworthy. Very noteworthy. And again, link will be in the show notes. Yeah. Right. Into the news before we get into Santiago. Uh, this one coming from Jake Kilshaw, eRacing365. Uh, and Dorna Sports have revealed the entry list uh, for the next season of Moto E. Uh, 
So 18 riders, the field will be the same size, and a couple of new names, but, but also the championship protagonists from last season will be returning. Uh, hey. Yes, Matteo Ferrari, uh, the only winning Ferrari uh, for a while is back, uh, <laughs> returns uh, to Trento Grassini. Uh, Runner-up Bradley Smith will be there. Uh, Eric Granado also coming back, uh, it is believed, with Avinta Esponsorama Racing. Six six newcomers will join the grid, including Jordi Torres, Dominque Agurta, along with Tech3 E-Racing's Tommaso Marcon and Lucas Tulevic. So uh, quite a few uh, new names. Hector Garzo won't be returning as he has graduated to Moto2. Mm. Yeah, Moto E, Moto3 sort of seen on a similar level, so it's good that the series has promoted one of the standout riders. Yeah, it's very good to hear. Very good to hear. Very happy to see that the grid hasn't decreased and that we are seeing some quality new drivers coming in and we'll see if Matteo Ferrari can yeah follow up on his maiden championship yeah it'll be good to see it going with uh second season now the first one was good from what I saw of it uh very exciting racing and obviously very manageable racing as well very very short yeah yeah looking forward to that it'll be it'll be really good see if my pick Bradley Smith can get back in there yeah Bradley Smith uh, I do I do really like Hector Gazzo, but obviously moving on. So Eric Granado this time. Yeah. Let's go. Eric Granado, there we go. A, a, a classic duel, I'm sure. It will be. be. Great. Oh, it'll be brilliant. Yes. It will be great. I can't wait. It'll be good. This next one, EcoGP. Also out of Jake Kilshaw from eRacing365, putting out quite a bit of news here. I had never heard of EcoGP before I had read this. Yeah, I haven't. So. It is a 24-hour race, and they've had a few before. Electric, obviously, uh, as we mainly only cover electric racing. So uh-huh. they've done a couple, the 24 hours of Osterblen, held twice winter 2018 and 2019. So last November's race had a Model S, Model 3s, but because it's a 24-hour race with charging and you know all of the <laughs> all of the traffic that you would have to get through um and and you know you have to be alert and half the race is actually finishing mm-hmm. those and second went to a Kia e-soul and a Renault Zoe got third so much less powerful than the model 3 so i mean uh-huh. i would love to have a model 3 or 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 something like that racing against the Zoes and and just to have a a different sort of set of cars. Yeah. I'm going to try and find those uh, and link them in the show notes because it sounds like a really cool series that, yeah, hopefully will continue. I have heard of this, come to think of it. I I saw something online. It might have been from E-Racing 365. I'm not sure. I remember seeing a 24-hour race with all electric production cars and there being a very random result behind it and that might be it yeah yep yeah um, that might be it it fits the criteria it fits the bill uh there's plans for the fia to evaluate the regulations for an updated series in 2022 so we will be waiting a wee while but uh yeah let's hope that that continues mm. that'll be good very good 
This next piece of news uh, from Bethany Waring, justelectric.org. It's been covered by pretty much everyone, and I'm very happy that Alex Lynn has returned to Jaguar as their test and reserve driver. Yeah, good news. Obviously, James Collado has done very well in his opening two races, well, three races, uh, two venues. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's it's going to be good to have Lynn back on the team. Um, and, yeah, he'll just be slotting back in quite easily, I would say. So, Chris, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's good news that Alex is back. Uh, obviously, a very talented driver. And one that's been very good in recent years. The thing is, he's always struggled with, you know, consistently being on the grid. I'd be quite insulted if I was Alex Lynn. He lost his drive to DS in D- a DS Virgin at the end of season four. Uh, didn't have a full time drive for season five. Replaced Nelson Piquet Jr. Thank God at Jaguar halfway through season five and did it did a very good job. Almost got two podiums with them. And then was let go in favour of James Collado. And now they've turned around and said, Alex, you know how you used to drive for us? <laughs> do, do, you, do you fancy being our reserve driver? What? It, it's, it's a little bit of an insult, isn't it? It's going, yeah, you know, you, we did bring you in and you did a good job. You almost got podiums for us. But, you know, like, we don't think you're good enough for a, a full-time drive, but uh, months after we get rid of you, we're going to offer you a reserve drive uh, to help develop our Season 7 car. Well, I, th- I think he mm. is available to yeah. talk to other teams. <laughs> so if I was Neo, yeah. I would be, hello, how's it going, Alex? Would you like to drive the car uh, straight away? Um, yeah. And, yeah, we don't need to talk about Neo. <laughs> which we will very shortly uh, because Turvey, what a monster. Um, and, oh, and yeah, legend. I think he probably, if he's a reserve driver doing all the testing and all the development, he'll have, have the understanding of what the new car is going to be and probably would be yeah, exactly. more attractive to potential suitors. So you never know. Yeah, this is true. This is true. It is. If he wants to go back into Formula E, which I hope he does, He's in the right place for it, isn't he? Uh, Jaguar, a distinguished team. If he's helping develop the car for next season already, um, he'll be a fountain of information to all other teams as well. He, he will be. So he'll be yeah. a very good asset. And he remains current as well. Exactly. He remains current in Formula E and he's still up to date. So it's very important. It is. So it's good news. It's good news that he's back uh, and we will follow his progress. Yes, very eagerly. Now, let's get into the Santiago e What a race. Uh, firstly, qualifying mm-hmm. in Superpole. Uh, we had Sebastian Buemi, Oliver Turvey, uh, Massa, Gunter, Verline, and Mitch Evans. This one, I did have a feeling that Evans uh, and Verline especially, because they were in Q3, because mm-hmm. the track evolution was there, uh, that they would really be able to capitalise on that. Uh, Sebastian Buemi, obviously, yeah, it's almost a given that he'll be in Superpole these days. Uh, Oliver Turvey, though, the absolute standout, made a bit easier <laughs> by being in Q4, but we we see a, a Neo car struggling, and he manages to put it fifth into Superpole. 
What a performance. Uh-huh. It is incredible, isn't it? And Oliver Turvey continues to be, without a doubt, the most underrated driver on the Formula E grid. It, it, it's incredible. I mean, the present Neo Triple Three squad, they're using, um, they're using last season's uh, Dragon powertrain, the Penske EV3. It wasn't the quickest uh, powertrain in the world, was it? It wasn't the quickest no. car. And they are, where they're using outdated machinery, essentially, it's 12 months old. We're older than that now. And he still continues to deliver, does Oliver Turvey. He deserves to drive with the top team, doesn't he? He, he, could, he could wreak havoc in a good <laughs> car. He could cause mayhem in a good car, could Oliver Turvey. Yeah. And, and he, he stuck in the backmarker team. I know it's a couple of tents, but they are the backmarker team. And it, it's sad to see, but it, it puts him in the shop window, doesn't it? It's, it's perfect. If, if Jaguar had thought about it, in, instead of Collado, um, because mm. getting Collado in, rookie, and he's he's not struggling, but uh, I don't think he's capitalising on as many points as, as he could have. It's obviously not mm-hmm. allowing Jaguar to get further up the Constructors' Championship um, as if they had someone like Turvey, I believe, anyway. And, and yeah, the Jaguar's a decent car. Uh, Mitch Evans putting it on pole. Yeah, Mitch's, um, it was. That was a great lap, a great lap. He got a bit squirrely, but, uh, it, it, yeah, he managed to do the job. Two tenths over Maxi Gunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, it was a very good performance from Mitch. <laughs> like you said, as soon as I saw him in Group 3 as well, I knew that he would be up there, um, especially with the track evolution in Santiago. Uh, he was my pick for pole, actually. I predicted Mitch would get pole successfully, which is always satisfying. Because he usually put Buemi. But speaking of which, Seb Buemi was, was nowhere <laughs> in Super Bowl. He was slower than the unfortunate Oliver Turvey with his little crap powertrain. Yeah. <laughs> Almost a full second off. Yeah, I, I don't quite remember what happened to Buemi. Um, as as the I think it was three in the morning uh, for me to watch qualifying, so that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but obviously the highlights are great. Okay, did anything else stand out to you about qualifying? Shall we talk quickly about the unfortunate Oliver Rowland uh, incident? Uh, yes, but beforehand, I would like to give a special shout out to a certain Swiss-Italian driver called Eduardo Mortara. Because Edo Mortara put in an absolute stonker of a lap but didn't make it into Super Bowl. Uh, so, did, did you see this? Yes, yeah. In, in Group 2, um, Edo uh, Mortara was, was driving along and he had Robin Franz in front of him. And Franz had this almighty spin, full 360 through turns 1 and 2, caught it and continued, and Mortara was directly behind him, almost got caught up in, a, in an accident, slammed his brakes on, lost at least half a second to a second, and still went on to set the That's fastest amazing. time of Group 2. <laughs> and he, quali- yeah, he, he qualified in seventh, and he was only pushed out by, I think it was uh, Oliver Turvey. But what a lap. The pace that he showed was, oh, it was incredible. It was so incredible. Yeah, you've got to really look at it uh, with Nick DeVries in eighth 
who was slower than that mm-hmm. and also in Q4. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It was, oh, <laughs> it was just a good lap, wasn't it? It was. I mean, he must have a fuller attack in, this, in the final part of that lap because, wow. He's really coming to his own this season and he's really going for it. He's, I mean, the Venturi with the Mercedes powertrain, it, it does look like a bit of a weapon that hasn't really mm-hmm. been fully fully capitalised on by Venturi at the moment, but it does look very, very good. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a quick car and, it, you know, it, 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 it's a pacey car as that Venturi and a... Uh... It's going to be exciting to see what Felipe and uh, Felipe Massa and Eduardo Motara can do later this season. Yeah, I mean Felipe, Felipe making it into Super Pole. So yeah, another yeah. good showing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's certainly looking positive, especially over one lap. Yes, yeah, especially over one lap. But Oliver Rowland, eh? <laughs> yes, Oliver Rowland coming unstuck and um, also compromising Lucas Degrassi. Uh, he had quite a, a, he had quite a whack, didn't he? Did Oliver Rowland? He crashed in turn four, turn five. I want to say, lit the debris across through turns six and seven, and then Lucas Degrassi went whizzing through, continued, blamed the stewards for not waving the red flag, and then spun on his own accord. Yeah, so, yeah. I I feel like after you see something like that, you probably, I think I'd be compromised. Yeah, it'd be compromised, but when you throw your own lap away a <laughs> few corners later. Yeah, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, I, it's, it's a Lucas Degrassi thing, isn't it? Complain about this, complain about that. Yeah, Audi has had a slow start, but uh, let's move into the race. A great race. I mean, Formula E just, it always delivers. Santiago, I'm hoping it'll be back on the calendar uh, sometime soon. We're not going to see it next season. Uh, as the contract is up, but let's hope it doesn't move anywhere else because this is a just, it was a stonker of a race. Uh, great track. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Very good. Season five one, not so good, but with the changes that they made for the for last weekend's race, it, it delivered. A, probably, arguably a classic, I would say. Arguably a classic. Into the race. Uh, few talking points. Firstly, I want to just touch on Vern holding his teammate up and then also trying to uh, scrape it into the wall uh, and successfully doing so, getting debris all over the track. And uh, I've got to say, I'm pretty disappointed in Vern here because he was going well until that, uh, fighting through. And I mean, he had a bit of damage, but yeah, a very slow start for the championship leader who came away with nothing from this race. What is what is going on there when he tries to continue? Yeah, it's, it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, he picked up the damage early on in the race from what has been said, and then it just the, the, the front left bodywork came undone uh, towards the end of the race, started scraping along, and he just tried to bump it off on the walls, didn't he? It's bearing in mind he is a double champion. It is disappointing to see that he didn't have well any care at all for potentially causing an accident by you know littering debris across the track but at the same time the FIA didn't pick up on the damage and give him the black and white flag to say you must get this repaired 
No, they didn't, did they? No, they didn't. So there was nothing on that side. So that's a disappointment as well. But then at the same time, if you're Jean-Eric Verne, you haven't been given that flag, but this part is disrupting your race, and you know that you have the pace to be on the podium after the shocking start you've had. If I was Verne, I would have done the same, unfortunately, and I hate to say that. Oh. Um, well, I think less of you, Chris. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly would have done the same. And I mean, he is the number one driver at DS to Cheetah. It's... It's his team. Um, yeah. In the same sort of instance, he had his teammate right behind him. So mm-hmm. if he loses it with the damage and takes his teammate out, and potentially he also just caused DaCosta more heat on DaCosta's battery, um, and you know it took time to get past Vern, which he could have used fighting Gunter. So he compromised their points and... and their race so he did yes i mean did, yeah yes. with with the heat and everything and and in the car you might not think of all of these things but the outcome was that it impacted to cheetah and and their points overall yeah yeah that's the thing i mean <laughs> i'm gonna say it i was surprised the costa didn't crash into him as well me because too the costa seemed to hit the costa seemed to hit everybody in that race i'm just gonna put it out there Team orders are something that teams should look into, in all honesty. Um, because we saw uh, the Mercedes guys battling each other when, you know, it could have potentially gone wrong. The Tachita guys going at it with each other could have gone wrong. The Venturi guys doing the same. Did go a little bit wrong. Did go a little bit wrong. Um, and yeah, I think a few teams on the grid could be a little bit more clever with what they're doing, you know, really deploy those team orders and go in. No, you let it, it would benefit them in the long run as well. But at the same time, we love to see a bit of wheel to wheel racing, don't we? We do. So. I do get a bit nervous when it's teammates, though. Yeah, it's always a bit panicky, isn't it? It but, is. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So just on Venturi, uh, Massa with attack mode, not let through by Mortara, and then um, Mortara with attack mode. Uh, just, yeah. It just went all wrong uh, with Mortara trying to get up the inside of Massa and almost putting Massa into the wall. I think his his hands got bumped off the steering wheel as he got a bit of a nudge from Mortara. Mm -hmm. I've got to say that the team orders could be looked at um, and there was plenty of opportunity to overtake with attack mode, especially around the outside. Is it turn 10 around the outside? That was, yeah, that was probably the best. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the thing is, it was an, it was an impatient overtake from Moltara as well. If he had bided his time, like it was, he was in turn ten at the time when he did the overtake. All he had to do was navigate ten and eleven, lose a little bit of time behind Massa, but ultimately he could have overtaken easily on the straight because of the power advantage he had with attack mode. And it did look like a big advantage this race. Yeah, exactly. It was a huge advantage this race was attack mode. And by dive-bombing Massa, pushing him out wide, he lost time himself, and he pushed his team. Massa again lost uh, two places because of it. The two Tachita cars went down. And if you look at that one incident, if Mortara had bided his time and passed in a more sensible place, you could arguably say that Venturi's entire race would have been different. 
it would have been a different outcome potentially. Yeah. All hinging on that one incident. It's incredible. Yeah, it is um it is unfortunate, but I'm I'm sure that they'll look at that internally and we might not see that again. I'm sure Susie's on the case. Yeah, she will be. You know, get going. You know, organize that team. <laughs> yeah. Uh the the Merc guys, they seem to go backwards a little at the start, but obviously we're waiting for things up the front to happen and boy did they happen. Stoffel leads the championship by three points over Alexander Sims and DeVries, a stellar drive, would have had a podium if not for the technical infringement, which was mm-hmm. coolant, too cool, or too low in temperature, <laughs> too, cool. too cool. Too cool. I, I was listening to a rival podcast who, who gets theirs out a lot quicker than we do, and they were saying that, um, you know, DeVries... They have less technical problems. They have less technical no. problems, uh, and and they, yeah... <laughs> They were there at the race, probably could just sit down somewhere and record it. But anyway, um, they were saying that DeVries said, um, sometimes I make mistakes, sometimes the team makes mis- makes mistakes, it's it's just part of it. So he's, um, mm. yeah, a very humble young man and the podium, the podiums uh, and wins will come, I feel, in Formula E. So uh, Merck picked up some good points, uh, still up there in the team's championship and Stoffel, yeah, leading Formula E after the third round. Yeah, I mean, it's all about consistency, isn't it? I mean, Stoffel, Stoffel is now the only driver to have scored in every race this season. You're joking. Um, and we're only three races in. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the other ones to, who had finished double points in Duria were Sims, yes. who obviously retired, mm. Roland, who just cocked up massively in the race and Mortara who was binned by Da Costa so yeah uh, Stoffel van Dorn is now the only driver who's got a 100% record this season and that that has shown he is top of the drivers championship and it just reinforces that the most consistent driver will win this season yeah so yeah it's been, it's been good going for Mercedes, very consistent. Yeah, we probably say it every week that consistency is key. Stoffel showing, yeah, at the moment he's doing what needs to be done. He is, yeah. Uh, especially with Mercedes' first season. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a real testament to those guys. They sort of, they've just, I mean, they have had a, a season with HWA to get it all under the table and, and sorted, but um, it, it really has been a strong showing from them and, and it sort of, it just, Compared to Porsche, mm-hmm. who haven't had the year, and they look a bit lost right now, we are seeing some title contenders emerge. Yeah, it, it does show, doesn't it? You can call it Mercedes, like the debut year, the inaugural season for them, but they did have that test day year with HWA, didn't they? And it, it, it has really shown, comparing Porsche to um, Mercedes, it, it, it's kind of, I mean, especially in Santiago, it was a different league. And, I mean, obviously both teams have very capable drivers. We'll see what uh, Neil Shani does. Uh, but, yeah, it was a different league in Santiago, wasn't it? Um, Porsche weren't even in, in the ballpark compared to Mercedes, and that really did show uh, in in the race. And, I mean, Porsche, just going back to it, dropping the ball, like getting GCSE stuff wrong. So at the weekend, Porsche were fined 5,000 euros 
for failing to adhere to um, safety standards when dealing with a battery. So one of their engineers wasn't even using the right protective gloves or any at all. Oh. And yeah, it's just it's GCSE stuff that they're getting wrong, uh, to be honest. So that's that's one thing alone. Um, yeah, it's, it just comes with experience, though, doesn't it? Yeah, and absolutely. It, it will come and they will grow, but it was a it was a hard weekend for Porsche, really hard. Yeah, it it, it did look that way, but Lotterer doing a lot better than Jani. Well, yeah, <laughs> no one got any points, but uh, we will see. We will see how they go in Mexico. It'll be an interesting one for them. Okay, to Costa and his battery temps. This one, he sort of sounded like. He sounded like he wasn't told the correct information on the battery temps. Uh, he thought he was going to be too high. Uh, the team was like, nope, you're fine. And he thought, I'm not going to be fine, but if they say that I'm fine, then I'm going to go for it. And absolutely rapid pace uh, and eventually pushed too hard to get up with Maxi Gunter, Maximilian Gunter. He hates being called Maxi. Um, and then <laughs> the final lap... Uh, da Costa had to slow down massively, Gunter around the outside, and <laughs> yeah. So, do you know what's going on with those? Whether the team just dropped the ball, didn't feed the right information, or or what happened? Or I, I mean, I I don't know anything about the situation, but I have a feeling that it has to do with that little questionable pass that Antonio Felix Da Costa made on uh, Gunther. He. Um... He really barged his way up the inside of turn ten, didn't he? Yes, it was a, it was a a bit late, uh, locked up quite badly into Maximilian Gunter, and yeah, um, it, it's. I'm glad that Gunter won the race because there would have been yeah, I think there would have been an inquiry <laughs> if if that hadn't have happened. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, it was a very greedy overtake, wasn't it? I mean, it, at this point in the race, Antonio Felix da Costa has been behind uh, Vern. Uh, he's been losing time. Vern's been driving like a total hooligan. And now he's gone, right, I'm in P3 or P2, wherever Vern was. I need to close up. He passes Evans with ease and he guns it for Gunther. Very easy to overconsume in those circumstances if you are really hungry for that win. And it was uh, DS Automobiles' 50th E-Pre as well. Um, so, you know, a bit, big landmark race for them. And, he, and yeah, just he really, he really went for it. He got a bit greedy with Gunther, biffed him out of the way, as you do, uh, like he did with everyone else in that race. Uh, it's a recurring theme here. Uh, <laughs> and then did lose that position on the final lap. And I think there would have been an investigation after the race if he had won it. And I... I've got a feeling he let him past. You reckon? Yeah, I've got I've got a feeling the team order came and I think he might have slowed down knowing, you know, I've just, yeah, knocked him out of the way. Hmm. And I, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of people did struggle with the battery temps, though. I think Verline had an issue. Evans certainly had a multitude of issues with his drag. Yeah, I mean, it was it was close uh, at the end of the day. And if, if De Costa did get a penalty then it would have dropped him way off the podium. Uh, let's have a yeah, look. Exactly. It would have been, you know, down sort of 
Yeah, it would have been behind Verline. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Potentially. It's a good theory. Well, I guess we'll never know, really. <laughs> no. But, you know, safety first, consistency wins championships. It does. Points points. It does. But it went to Maximilian Gunter, and I don't think there is one Formula E fan out there that can really be sad or be gutted for this man, because what a race. I mean, what a drive. You know, 22 years old, youngest on the grid. Uh, he's he's new to BMW, new team, uh, got dropped from Dragon, who who should have kept him, you know. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's taken the seat of Antonio and delivers, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, the smile was so massive on his face. Uh, it was uh, just a joy to see. And I was watching the race, sitting in bed with my laptop, and I was just... Ah, oh, I was just ecstatic. Oh, it, it was it was fantastic, wasn't it? And the thing is, this race meant so much to him. He uh, when he was up there in that position, I think he knew that he had to deliver some kind of fantastic performance. And the, the thing is, this race wasn't just it wasn't just a race. It was a fight against his personal experiences and his professional experiences as well. It was 12 months on from his uh, dropping from Dragon, a momentary dropping from Dragon. And oh, <laughs> he proved all of those doubters wrong in that camp, took the place of the Costa at BMW. You know, that, that, that fantastic opportunity is a BMW factory driver and as a German racer as well. And it was a low-key start in Deria, not what he wanted. And what stronger message is there to become Formula E's youngest ever race winner racing at the circuit that was, well, your first last E-Prix for Dragon and then beating the driver who used to have your seat? <laughs> Nothing asserts his position more in that team, does it? It's, it's a, oh, it's a fan, it sends such a strong message. Right? Yes, you have backed the right pony here, guys. Tis I. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely the man to put it, put the money on. Um, and, I mean, for BMW, it is absolutely brilliant. I mean, <laughs> a German driver in a German car winning. Uh, and, I mean, you can't get much more publicity than that. On the BMW exactly. side, and Roger Griffiths, I mean, I love that man. He's just, he just, yeah. He's just a joy to watch, and he, he's so happy right now. He was ecstatic, wasn't he? Clapping the oh. <laughs> It was brilliant. It was such a good win. And no one can be annoyed about the result. Except no one can brilliant. be. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Right, so let's run down the points. Maximilian Gunter, 25. Antonio Felix da Costa. Evans, Verline, De Vries, Van Dorn. Lucas Degrassi. James Collado. After a poor qualifying, scraping into the points again, Felipe Massa and Sam Bird rounding out the top 10. Um, Some names there that, uh, yeah, I mean, Collado, he just seems to be moving through the pack and and keeping clean and getting points. So good from the Jaguar driver. Um, Bird, you know, Q1, always going to be hard. Mm. Good to get a couple points. He also got the fastest lap. So... Yeah, the car's good. Um, Bird's great. 
but let's hope qualifying helps them out in the next few races. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in this race, Group 1 really did uh, harm uh, drivers, didn't it? We had Degrassi starting from 22nd, 21st, something like that. Bird all the way down. It was it was tough. Sims. Um, Van Dorn did all right, though. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was it was really, really tricky as well. Um, and, you know, we really did see them come through the pack as well. I mean, Bird, uh, Bird started P16 and um, had two spins in that race as well. So that's a good going. Collado, like he said, started P18 and just kept his nose clean, really, and got through there. But mind you, Lucas Degrassi started 22nd, finished P7. That's a hell of a drive. It is, yeah. And his experience did show. He, he just quietly made his way through the pack, and I know there was a lot of penalties, a lot of crashes, but well, it's good going. Yeah. Um, alrighty, the driver standings. Stoffel Van Dorn, 38. Alexander Sims uh, drops back to second with 35. Sam Bird up to 28 points in third. The Bird is third. Uh, Maximilian Gunter, 25 points, moves up into fourth place. Degrassi, 24. I mean, you get one win and then you're fourth in the championship after three <laughs> races. It's Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oliver Rowland in sixth uh, with 22. 21 for DeCosta now. Evans in eighth, also 21. And then 18 points for Lotterer, Mortara and De Vries, all in 19-11. And then we move down to 12 points with Robin... No. Then we move down to 12 points with Pascal Verlein. Uh, 10 for Robin Freins and James Collado. Uh, Daniel Apt on eight points. He is struggling massively this season. I'm not sure why. Um, and also Jean-Éric Verne, only four points. Uh, two points for D'Ambrosio and Hartley and Muller, Turvey, Yanni and Ma on zero. And in the team's championship, BMW, 60 points. Mercedes just behind them on 56. And then Virgin all the way down on 38 points. 32 for Audi, Jaguar 31, 25 for DS to Cheetah. 22 for Nissan, Venturi on 20, uh, which doesn't really tell the whole story of Venturi. Uh, Porsche on 18, Mahindra on 14, Geox Dragon on 2, and Neo still on 0. And after that, uh, driver of the day. Chris, who have you got? Oh, it's a hard call, isn't it? It's got to be between Max Gunther and Lucas Degrassi, in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's between the two of them. I mean, Gunther because Gunther, you know, what a win. <laughs> and oh, God, the, the nerves to overtake with three corners to go, huh? Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. And then just Lucas Degrassi for being Lucas Degrassi, being clean and just getting his way up to P7 in after being d- dealt a dire hand in qualifying. It was a pretty dire hand. Um, and for the same reason, well... Collado. I'm going to go with Collado and Gunther. Uh, Gunther, for all of the reasons expressed, and James Collado uh, moving through the pack, keeping clean, getting some good experience under his belt instead of, you know, 
being in the wall or something. Um, and he's really come a long way. So he is driver of the day. Yeah, it's a noteworthy one. It's a good choice. And finally, thank you to Huzu Graphics on Twitter for doing the amazing episode artwork. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, his link is in the show notes and also his work can be seen on our website, uh, regenracingpodcast.com and on Instagram. Uh, you can also talk to us on hello at regenracingpodcast.com and on Twitter at regenracing. So Chris, any final thoughts? Ooh, yes. The Mexico City E-Prix circuit has apparently been tweaked and altered. Excellent. No more chicanes. No more chicanes, but four more corners, apparently. Don't know what they look like yet, but we will find out. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, because News. chicanes, uh, obviously last season, Nelson PK Jr. over the top of Vern and tagging Sims. Probably one of the standout crashes of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PK Airborne. Oh. Glad we're not going to see that anymore. Yeah, exactly. It was a nasty shunt, was that? It was. And you know, chicanes in general just stupid the way Formula E are doing them, quite frankly. And especially in burn flipping heck. Yes. What was that about? Yeah. Yep. That's a good idea. Yes, let's not reminisce about that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for keeping with us. We look forward to bringing you more. Uh, and also check out Regen Charge Point on Medium, doing some scribbles on there. All right, we will talk to you again soon. Yes, we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Vintia. Sorry. <laughs> Arguably. Arguably a classic. That's so going at the end. <laughs> yeah. Arguably a classic.